A lot of pictures today in my mind. Uh, we got to see the Christmas story in the Sound and Light Theater in Branson this week, and it was a very moving experience, huh? Sight and sound. What did I say? Yeah, sight and sound theater. Uh, but it, man, it was just such a, a awesome display of the whole story, starting from the the persecution the Jews were under was the first half of the of the play, musical, whatever you call it. It was just a great depiction of the story. And so today, as we're singing, all these pictures are coming to mind. Uh, they did such a great job of just showing uh, how significant it is that Christ came. And so I hope today you'll be able to see that as well. That's our, our goal for this whole series. We've taken our time going through this, four Sundays of preaching through uh, the incarnation of Christ out of John chapter 1. So we're going we're gonna to get to the good news today, which has been hard for us to hold back on. I know we've told a little bit of it all along the way because you can't help but tell the good news, right? But today we're going to finish the story out. So we're in John chapter 1. Let's go to our text. I'll remind us of where we've been, and then we're going to quickly move through... Um, some, a lot of scripture today, so if, you, if you're ready today to stay with me, say, I am. Really? Y'all really ready? Because it's going to take you a while. A lot of reading, which means while we're reading, keep your hearts engaged, your minds engaged, uh, because we have an enemy who, who wants to destroy us, who wants us to stay in the realm of darkness, and one of the things he does is he takes our minds off somewhere uh, when the word is being spoken, he takes our minds off somewhere when the, when the Spirit of God is wanting to speak to us. And so we need to fight uh, in, and stay in the realm of light today because we have the light living inside of us. And God wants to speak to us today and bring this incarnation uh, into our hearts in a way that we will respond to it in the right way. So John chapter 1, 1, to, 1 through 5, and then I'll pick up at verse 9 through 13. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. A true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. This is verse 9. He was in the world. And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of flesh, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So as, we, as we've already seen, Jesus uh, is the word of God, spoken created the world. In him, the scripture says, was life. That word life is zoa in the Greek, which we get zoology from. So all the created things were created by God uh, through the word Jesus. And in him was life. And that life that, that he brought, the reason why he's the word, when God speaks in his word, uh, life happens, life comes. Uh, but to all who received him, according to the scripture, he gives the right to, he gives this life. So life comes into us. But in this passage, we've, uh, everything that was created by God, in everything that he created in the beginning, when he created the world, 
there was life and light. And that light is described, we described it as the majesty of God in creation or the, the person of God or the character of God that's shown to us clearly in creation. We talked about it in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, that uh, Paul said that all the, uh, in everything that was created, we see the person of God. So every man is without excuse. Remember that. We've also spoken about the fact that the character of God was revealed to men who live in darkness, darkness being the realm of sin and evil. It was a realm that wasn't created by God, but it was created by a fallen angel, Lucifer or Satan, who is allowed by God to continue to operate as the prince of the power of the air, operate in the world, on the earth, and he continues today to bring chaos and darkness into every life that allows him to work and to move. In addition, John wants us to know that the darkness did not overcome or ex- extinguish the light. That when the light of Jesus, the life of Jesus came into the world, that the darkness could not extinguish it. He's given us a good sign there that we need to hold on to, and that is that the light is more powerful than the darkness. Matter of fact, where the light is seen, darkness disappears. And so the light came into the world, and John wants us to know that the darkness did not extinguish it or overcome it. So God created the world to reveal himself. Satan was on the earth and tempted Adam and Eve to sin, and they entered uh, the world of sin and evil by taking that temptation, choosing to sin. Satan's goal was to darken the eyes of man, with lies about God. And all of us have sinned, and all of us have entered into that realm of sin and evil. All of us have had our perceptions darkened, our eyes darkened by the, by the enemy. So the question would be, what would God do? Would God leave us with no understanding of his character since our Minds and our perception of God has been darkened. Would God leave us in the realm of sin and evil? Of course, the answer is no. That's the good news of Christmas. God doesn't leave us in the dark, even though Will and I have had to leave you in the dark for three Sundays. Today, we get to see the light. In verse 9, it says this, The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. The true light that gives light to what? Every man was coming into the world. So God's response to our tainted view of who he is, a tainted view that was given to us by our choice to to enter into the world of sin and darkness, Satan's world, to fall to his temptation, is to reveal himself in a form that we could see, that we could understand, and that we could respond to. God becomes a man. He takes on flesh so that we can literally see the reality of who God is. Lived out in front of us in human form, in a form that we can understand. And so Will spoke last week about how the world, or the word rather, became flesh. How he came into the world. And so now light was in the dark world. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says, He is the radiance 
of the glory of God. And the exact, exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the world or the universe by the word of his power. Now verse 9 in John chapter 1 says that, that he gives light, that this light, this exact uh, picture of who God is, this perfect image of the person of God, of the character of God that came in human form, that that light gave light to every man. So again, no man has any excuse. All excuses are taken away for not responding to the light. John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, said this of Jesus at the point of his conception. I love this part of the, of the creation story, or rather of the, the uh, Christmas story that we saw in the play this week. His, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, uh, said this of Jesus at the point of his conception in Luke chapter 1, verse 68 to 70. His, his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. And then his song continues, and, and he quotes Isaiah's prophecy in verse 76. He says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare a way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. So John is telling us what Isaiah prophesied about and what Zechariah is singing about, about the Messiah, the light that would shine on on who? All those who are in darkness. There is no, no one exempt from having the light of God shone upon them. He came into the world to do just that. The light has shined in darkness. It shines on those who are in darkness. He didn't come to the world and shine on a select few people. He came to shine on all of those who are in darkness, which, as we've already said, is all of us. Everybody in this room has made a choice to live in darkness, to enter into the realm of sin and evil. And so all of us have had the light of God shine upon us. There's not a man that's ever lived that has not entered into that realm. And thank God when he came into the world, he did what was necessary to show us who he was. And surely as the light shone upon every man, we get to the point where we are today. As surely as as the light of God, the truth of who God is, the truth of who Christ is, has shone upon you living in darkness, a response is demanded. And so we come to today. The message on responding to the light. There's no way that you can't respond. There is going to be a response from every person in this room. If you've never responded before, you have, or you, you have responded, and you continue to respond to the light, and you're walking in the light, which we'll talk about in the first of next year, the light is shown upon us, and we have to respond to it. 
I don't know how you respond whenever you walk out of a movie theater, but as most of you know, I watch a movie just about every Friday. And I usually go right around noontime, so I go inside, and I'm in a dark theater, and I'm watching the, you know, watch the movie, and then I step outside, and the, the, the light is blinding as soon as you step outside. There's, there's a response that's demanded from me. There's one or two things that I can do when I come out of the theater. Uh, usually, I squint my eyes and just let the, and get used to the light and then walk out in it and use the light. But another thing I could do is turn around and go back in the theater, right, before the door closes behind me. There's two responses. I can turn away from the light or I can let my eyes adjust to the light and respond to it and then use the light to my benefit. Find my car, you know, get in it, drive. The light is helpful and useful. And in the same way, all of us have to respond. When the light came into a dark world, there was a response. Some people have responded to the light by choosing to walk in it, and some people have chosen to continue to walk in darkness, to turn away from the light, literally, and walk in darkness. So we're going to see these responses. First of all, we need to talk just a moment about where our response comes from. Because there's a battle going on. There's a battle going on today, right now, in your heart, in your mind. There's a, there's a battle literally in your mind is where it begins. There's a battle that occurs that, that's trying to keep us in darkness. And every response to God, every response to the light begins in your mind. You have to have understanding before you can choose to respond to the truth. And it's no wonder that the one who is the prince of the power of the air our enemy, the one who has brought darkness upon this world, the fallen angel, Lucifer, works in our minds. Remember in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, I, I quoted this verse. I think we'll use it last week. It says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The battle begins in our mind. Last week, Will made mention of a book that Aaron Slater suggested to the elders, The Invisible War by Chip Ingram. And in this book, Chip makes a simple, very simple, but profound statement about Paul's discussion of spiritual weapons that attack wrong thinking. This is what he said. Paul's observation gives us great insight into where the majority of the battle occurs. Most of it is between our ears our minds, our belief systems, our worldviews. Most of the battle that we're fighting in this, in this light and darkness, world of light and darkness, the conflict that goes on happens between our ears. Satan's aware of where our response to truth begins. And he wants to, us to remain in darkness. He wants us to get familiar with the world of darkness. And he will take us, if we allow him to, he will take us to the point that we find our place of comfort operating in the realm of darkness. He wants us to fall in love with the darkness. He wants us to remain in a state where we don't know God by experience, where we never do do really understand the truth about God, and so the purpose for which Christ came into the world is not accomplished in our lives. Look at what John says in verse 10 of John chapter 1. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. 
One version says recognize him. But the word here is in the, in the, this is in the Revised Standard Version. It says know him, which is gnosko. Remember that word gnosko? I hope you do because we've used it a lot. Let me define it for you. The word gnosko is, is the, where our mission statement comes from at the gathering place. Our mission is to lead people to know God. That is to know him in this way. Look at this uh, strong Greek lexicon, how it, it uh, defines this word, gnosko, or know. It denotes close acquaintance with something. It relates to the knowledge acquired in experiences, both good and bad. It is achieved in all the acts in which a man can attain knowledge, in seeing and hearing in investigating and reflecting. So in essence, what we're finding in this passage is that Jesus shined his light on all men. Every man saw who he was. But according to John 1.10, there were some who did not know him. They chose to remain in darkness. John chapter 3, verses 18 through 20 says... Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. Listen, the light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works should be exposed. So we talk about responding to the light. Here's the first response. Y'all ready? First response is men loved wicked things and don't want to stop. And so they run from the light. Here's the first response in detail. Listen to it. I'll go step by step. The light shines on a man, revealing God's truth. Two, the man has been deceived by Satan to walk in darkness. Three, the man has experimented with darkness and found a place of contentment. Four, the man really loves the life that he has made for himself. Five, the life that Jesus offers is completely different from his existing life. Six, that life that Jesus offers actually reveals truth to him and is convicting him. Seven, he chooses to to turn from the light and remain in darkness. Eight, he is condemned because he has not believed in the only begotten Son of God. Y'all see that picture? Do you see yourself in that picture? Isn't that who we are? We were, we were people who saw the light of God. God was revealing his truth to us. And we'd been deceived by Satan. We were walking in darkness. We recognized that. And we experimented, experimented with that darkness. And we all found places of darkness that we wanted to remain in. But when the light shined upon us, we were convicted about our life of sin and death. We saw the goodness of God. And we had a choice to make. Now, hopefully, everybody in this room, most of us anyway, 
have made a different choice than this first response. But this person's response was that he loved to do wicked things and didn't want to stop, and so they, ran, he, they run from the light. They don't want to hear anything about God. They don't want to hear anything about a, a different lifestyle or, or who God is and what God expects and the, the need for a Savior. So they run from the light. Last week, Will shared out of Hebrews 1 that in the Old Testament times, God spoke in lots of different ways. He spoke through prophets, kings, angels. Uh, This was prior to the coming of Christ. But now Jesus came in the flesh. He came to earth to live uh, so that we could know him and see him clearly, see clearly who God was. In chapter 2, the writer of Hebrews gives us this warning. Look at it. Verses 1 through 4, he says, We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by the angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So, church, don't be fooled. Condemnation and punishment await those who turn away from the light and hold on to a life of darkness. I know it's a life that we got familiar with. All of us are still... Even as believers, we're still struggling with some of those sins that we got familiar with, that we made a part of our life, that Satan talked us into holding on to. And when the light shines on those, on those dark places in our, in our lives, we're still hesitant to release those things. Satan has strongholds, in, even in the lives of believers, that we need to respond to by letting the light shine on those dark places and responding to the light, receiving the light. But there are so many lost in the world in this community. They, they have no, nothing to do with the church, and the church has, has had less and less of an influence on people in the community because we've judged, because we've been harsh, because we've tried to shove religion down people's throats, and people are, have responded to that. There are lost people that were very lost who have nothing to do with God, and the light has shone upon them, and they know that there's something different. Whether they've seen it in the life of a sincere believer or they've seen it in the world around us, they know the story of Christ. They've seen it, and they've turned away from it. And there will be condemnation and punishment that await those. John goes on to tell us about another response, one that we're a little more familiar with. In John chapter 1, verse 11, he says, He came to his own. His own people did not receive him. He's talking about the Jewish people. God's chosen people, the ones that journeyed with God through the Old Testament. The Jews did not receive him. Satan had had darkened their minds with their own form of righteousness. And listen to what Jesus said about the Jewish leaders. So many things, places we could go. But let's go to Mark chapter 7, verses 6 to 8. Jesus says this. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. 
That's a pretty strong indictment. In quoting Isaiah, Jesus was speaking of religious people who loved darkness, the darkness of their religion, the darkness of right words and wrong hearts. And they thought that God wouldn't see their hearts. The rest of the passage in Isaiah's prophecy says this. If you go to Isaiah 29, where that quote of Jesus comes from, in verse 13, the Lord says this. These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us? Who will know? The Pharisees were depending on their following of man's rules, following religion, because of their minds were blind to the truth of who Jesus was. I mean, we don't need to miss that point. Even though they were, listen, the church, the, 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 the work of the Pharisees was growing. There were people that were being converted to Judaism, people coming out of paganism. They were coming uh, out of the, uh, j- all kinds of different religions. They, so they were continuing to reach people. But what did Jesus say about their growth? In Matthew's gospel, verse, chapter 23, verse 15, this is what Jesus said. He said, Woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea and win a single convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much the son of hell as you are. They were growing. People were being converted to, to their form of religion. But their religion was not a religion of the light. Their religion was a, was a religion of darkness. It was a religion that was made by Satan in their minds who lifted the, them up and made them look powerful. And people followed their religion. It was a religion, a religion of works. And it still exists today. We understand this. Many of us were walking in darkness, the darkness of religion. And when the light shined on us and we saw that God, we saw the reality of who God was, we responded by getting out of the darkness. I'm sure I'm going to spend more time talking about this at some point. I don't really, I've got a lot to cover today, so I just want to touch on it. But two weeks ago, man, God got a hold of me on a Monday and didn't let up all week long with this idea. I know that there are believers in every church in this community. I know that there are. I'm confident of that. But the church as a whole, if we're trying to hold on to any kind of religion, then, then we are holding on to darkness. That's the, religion is the realm of darkness and evil. We, we hold on to the light who is a person, Christ, and good practices come out of that. And I, I, I hesitate to call it religion. I was reading this past, uh, a couple of weeks ago, this is what grabbed my attention. When Paul went to Corinth, and Paul is, is uh, he, he works, he finds uh, Priscilla and Aquila, and he's, he's working with them in a trade of tent making, and he's sharing every Sabbath. He is reasoning with both Jews and Greeks about the, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul and, or Sim, and Silas and Timothy come to town, and he commits himself only to the Jews. Now, he, because he can, because he is 
a Pharisee of Pharisees, he's able to go to the synagogue and preach only to the Jews. And so he does. He goes full-time ministry in a church. He goes into the synagogue, and he preaches to the Jews only about Christ. And the Bible says that the Jews opposed him, and this is what Paul did. He shook off his clothes. I don't know if the man he take them off. I think he just shook them off. It's, it's symbolic. Dusted off his clothes. Dust off your shoes. And he, he says, your blood be on yourselves and on your children. And he walks out of the synagogue. There comes a time in all of our lives as religious people that we're going to have to walk out of what we walked into. We've we got to recognize that Satan has grabbed a hold of the church, of people who, who are believers. And he's grabbed us. And, and it's come to the point where after generation and generation, generation after generation, we've gotten further away from the truth and more into our own rules and regulations. We've gotten away from the Word of God. We, we've experienced what, Tim, what Paul told Timothy. We've turned our ears away from the truth, and we've turned aside to myths. Myth has a little bit of truth in it and a lot of us in it to the point that our seed now, those that are, being, that are, that are, that are coming into our faith or our religion, our children, have no clue of who God is. They know about religion, and that's us, most of us in this room. We knew about religion and religious practices. We knew how we're supposed to act, but we didn't know God. We missed the light because Satan had our minds blinded in the darkness, in the dark realm of religion. Y'all with me? Listen, our minds were, were darkened. We need to admit that, and we need to be like Paul and step out. You know what happened when Paul stepped out of that church in Corinth, out of the synagogue? He went to Justice's house, who is described as a worshiper of God. I love this. This is a whole other sermon. It's going to preach one day. He walked into Justice's house, who was described in Scripture as a worshiper of God. And then the very next thing that happens is Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, comes to Justice's house, a worshiper of God, and he believes in Jesus and his family. And then the Corinthians started getting saved. The ruler of the synagogue didn't accept Christ until he walked out of the synagogue and into a house of a worshiper of God. That's going to preach real good the first of the year. But I got to lay that out there because, guys, we need to realize we don't need to to hold hands with darkness. We don't need to, to buddy up and put our arms around the darkness that exists in the religion of our day. We need to release it with joy and thanksgiving. And hold on to the light, which is Jesus, and is enough. If we didn't learn something this year, we should have learned that Jesus is enough. Right? (laughs) He's enough. That's all we need. Everything that we do is going to come out of our relationship with Christ. So there was a second response. These, these These people did not receive him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. So let me walk us through that and what it looks like. Y'all ready? First, number one. The light shines on the religious man, revealing the truth of God. Number two, the man has been deceived by Satan to walk in the religion of man. Number three, the man has experimented with religion and found a place of contentment. Number four, the man really loves the life that he's made for himself. Five, the man really, uh, I'm sorry, the man that Jesus, uh, the life that Jesus offers is completely different than his existing life. 
next. The life that Jesus offers actually reveals truth that is convicting him about the life he's living in religion. Now he has a choice to make. And in this case, Jesus comes to his own, to the people who are religious people in the synagogue. He choo- and, and this man chooses to, to turn from the light and remain in the darkness of his religion. And lastly, he is condemned because he has not believed in the only begotten Son of God. And we know that that's what happened. They crucified the Son of God. We sang about it this morning. Ultimately, that religion never did see the light. People walked in darkness, and people walked in darkness to the point that they finally crucified the light. So we've seen two responses to the word that became flesh, the word that revealed truth about God to us. The, 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 the light shined on every one of them, and both loved the darkness, and both rejected the light. The light of the world, the clear manifestation of God in the person of Jesus were rejected. Now, how does God respond to their choice to remain in darkness? I wish I could say otherwise, but the wrath of God will be revealed against those who choose to continue to walk in darkness. Romans chapter 8, Paul says this in verses 18 to 25. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the, the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, what did God do? He gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. There's condemnation, the wrath of God is awaiting those who continue to turn away from darkness and, and uh, turn away from the light and walk in their darkness. The darkness that we've become comfortable with, the sin that we walk in, that we choose to walk in, that we choose to, to live in instead of walking with God. And if we want to find people who will tell us that it's okay to walk in our particular sin, Paul told us that day would come when men would not put up a sound doctrine but would gather themselves teachers who say the things their ears want to hear. It's easy to find people who are walking in darkness and have their own form of religion and tell you it's okay. We live in a world that is fascinated and bought into secular humanism. That whatever we say is truth is truth. The word no longer describes what's truth. The person, Jesus, who came and lived and showed us truth clearly. That's not truth anymore. It's whatever we decide is truth. Well, I just don't see it that way. Well, it doesn't really matter. The wrath of God will be revealed against darkness. Now, there's a third response, and we want to spend a little time without them before we close, because this is what we've been building up to, right? The light has shone in the darkness, 
In verses 12 and 13 of John 1, we find another response. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Amen. There's some good news, finally. All right, there's a third response in this passage to the incarnation of Christ who comes into the world and shines his light on us. Even though we were walking in darkness, he shines his light. And to those who believed in his name and received him, he gave the right to become children of God. It has nothing to do with us. It's a free gift of God, but we, we have a choice to make. We can choose to walk in darkness or we can choose to walk in the light. And we're going to spend all of next year talking about what it looks like to walk in the light and to let the light shine through us into the world. How do we come out of darkness and into the light? How does that happen for us? Listen carefully. This is, it, it, is a, it is a gift of God. It is a work of God. In 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us this in chapter 4, verse 6. For God, who said, light shine, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So the first thing that has to happen is God has to shine in your heart. You know, some of you maybe that still haven't made a, had a response to God, and, and the, light of light, the light of God has shone in your heart. It's happened in here, not just out here. It's more than head knowledge. It has to shine in our hearts. In the light of God, Jesus says that it will happen for us. God said that the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ would shine on our hearts. I hope this series has helped that to happen for you, that you've seen the light of the glory of God, who he is. Second thing that has to happen is God must call us out. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says this, You are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who did what? called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That is so contrary to what the world is trying to do right now. The world is trying to say we want to stay in darkness and also have the light. In other words, we want to be saved. We want to, when we die, we want to have eternal life in heaven with God, but we don't want to walk out of the darkness. The, the, coming into the light means being called out of the darkness. We're not, again, holding hands with the darkness. We're not flirting with the darkness, putting our arms around the darkness. When the light comes into us and, and darkness is revealed, our soul, our heart, I, that, there's something that changes on the inside of us, that we want to walk in the light. Now, we're not, we're not 100% successful. Nobody is. But that's not a compromise for us. We're not saying, oh, I, I have sin in my life. I'm just going to continue to walk in it. When God's light reveals sin in our lives, we make a decision. We don't want that anymore in our lives. And if there's any way that we can walk out of it, we are going to. Now, we, we struggle with the members of our body waging war against our mind. I get that. You know, our bodies are constant. Our habits are constantly causing us to struggle with the light that's been revealed. But we're not holding hands with it. We're fighting it the whole way. We're trying to figure out how to get darkness out of our lives. You know, people have asked me if, if we allow certain... Uh, socially unacceptable sinners to come and be a part of our body and be in our membership. 
We don't let any kind of sinners come and be a part of our, of our membership. We, we, this is a membership of people who, are, who are, have been redeemed by God and the righteousness of Christ has been given to them. And so they, Jesus lives in their hearts and they don't want sin in their lives. Now, we're all still sinning. But we're not sinning by choice. We're sinning because we're, we have these members of our body, our old habits fighting against the eternal us that's already desires to live for God completely. But there has to be a calling out of darkness and into the light. Do y'all get that? We're not embracing sin anymore. We don't want sin in our lives. The eternal us, the heart of us, if we could, have, if we could live exactly the way our hearts want to live, we would be perfect. But our bodies keep waging war. We, our gray matter, our ways of thinking that we've always had, our habits, Satan constantly speaks to those and tries to get our minds to think that those things are okay. In our hearts, we know they're not. And so we're a body of believers who, you, we accept sinners, yes. Sinners who have prayed to receive Christ, who have given their lives over to him and chosen the, the way of the light and want support and help in living in the way of the light. But if somebody was to come in here and say, I'm just going to continue living my sin, now I want to be a member of your church, and we'd say, well, you know, you can come and be a member of our fellowship, but you're not going to be a member of our membership. We want you to come be a part of this until you see the light in a way that it transforms your desires and your heart and that you give your life and heart to Christ. But to come in here and to live, to say, I'm going to be a part of a church and live in sin and embrace it, you're not going to find fellowship here. I hope, right, church? Your sin is not okay. My sin is not okay. If I'm embracing sin, if I'm walking in it day in and day out and saying, I'm going to hold on to this sin in my life, then that's not okay. But I'm telling you, there's a battle that goes on in this body all the time. It's the battle that Paul describes in Romans 7 and 8. It's the members of my body waging war against my mind. The eternal part of me wants to live for God. And we're making progress. (laughs) You know, praise God. He's given me victory through the power of the Spirit who lives inside of me over the enemy. And I'm seeing the light more and more each day, and I hope you are too. So God must shine in our hearts. God must call us out. In chapter 5 of Matthew, we find the Beatitudes, and one of the Beatitudes describes this something that has to happen. I want you to be clear about this. Matthew, or Jesus said this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You want to talk about seeing God? You want to talk about seeing the light and seeing the light clearly? It's purity of heart. It's when your heart gets transformed. We are so used to speaking to everybody's ways. We talk to people like, if you just stop acting like that, everything's going to be good. And that convinces us that our own righteousness is going to do something for us. I want to say clearly to all of us today that when God speaks to us, when the light shines, he shines on our hearts. And if our hearts are pure, before God, and we're not trying to get away with something like the Pharisees were. were. They were described by Isaiah as hiding, thinking, who's going to see us? But we're pure before God. We admit our sinfulness before God. You know what I love about the gathering place, among many things, is that it's okay. It's okay for you to be a sinner. It's okay for you to be broken. It's okay for you to keep having struggles with that. It's okay for you to admit it. Nobody's going to treat you any differently in this house or in all the houses during the week. You're going to find love and acceptance and no judgment. You're going to find brothers and sisters who are struggling the same way that you are. It's a beautiful thing, but you know what it does for you? It allows you to do something that no other church that I've ever been a part of 
good for me. It allows you to be pure in your heart. To have a pure heart for God. That you can, you can, live, the, you can live where you are. Your heart reveals where your, your life reveals where your heart is. And it's okay, but we're pure in heart. We're coming to God. And he says, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for you will see God. When we look at our righteousness, we don't see God. When we look from a pure heart at God and our own sinfulness, we see God. The fourth thing is we must be enlightened by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 to 10 say this. Paul says this, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that's been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, no eye has seen no ears heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But listen, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. There's the essence of what the light is for us. We, we didn't get to see Jesus physically. You know, we, Jesus lived a long time ago. Most of you probably know that. It was 2,000 years ago. Nobody other than Bill is probably old enough to have seen him. We didn't get to see God, but the truth is we have a promise from God. The prophecy has been true, and the light is the Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit comes to us. He is the one that calls us out. He is the one that shines on our hearts. He is the one that gives us a pure heart before God, a heart that sees our sin and sees the goodness of God. He's the one that makes sense of all of this. It helps us to be able to, to, to read the Scripture and see the truth of Scripture about who Christ was and how he represents, is a perfect representation of who God is. It's the Holy Spirit that does all of that for us. We need the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. Whether, he, he, whether you have prayed to receive Christ or not, the Holy Spirit is here today. And you have to be enlightened by the Holy Spirit to be able to come out of the darkness and into the light. The Holy Spirit's got a work to do because our minds are dark. And the wisdom of God is not something we can understand apart from the Holy Spirit. No one can understand what God has for us unless the Spirit reveals it to us. So we have a response to the light. And today's a day of response for us. As we close out our year of looking at the beautiful picture of who God is as revealed to us week after week in the encounters that Jesus had in his three years of ministry on the earth with person after person, group after group. All the encounters that Jesus had, all these wonderful truths that we've gained and seen about Jesus, the light has shone brightly for us by his spirit through his word. We've seen the light. And I don't know where you are this morning, but we need to close our year out by responding. Responding to the light. Wherever you are in your life, if you're, here, if you're here and you have not, honestly, if you feel like you've not really responded to the light by saying, I see the light and I'm, I know that I'm a sinner and that I'm living in darkness and that I'm not really from a pure heart given my life to Christ, then here's all you have to do to do that. Just say, I want to do that. 
Tell God. Just tell him privately, I believe. I, I, I feel your spirit moving and working in my life. I want the Holy Spirit to come into me. I believe. I want the light. I'm not turning away from the light and going to live in darkness. I'm not embracing the darkness. Come into me and take my life and change my heart. Give me a pure heart. Help me to live for you. I want the light. I want Jesus. I'm not going to be like those who saw him and chose the world or saw him and chose religion. Somebody, listen, if you're here today and you've been in this church for a while, you can, it, as hard as it is to believe, you can walk into this church week after week and hear these sermons and still believe that you being good is what's going to get you something from God. I know it happens. It happens all the time. It blows my mind. It, you following some religious pattern or being good does nothing for you. It's walking in darkness. The light is this. Jesus died for you. He came to earth, showed us who God was, and he gives us eternal life through his death. He washes our sins away. He takes all of our sins, past, present, and future, and he removes them from us as far as the east is from the west, the Bible says. He casts them into the depths of the sea. He hides them behind his back. No more sin. If you go to God after you've prayed to receive Christ and you've given your heart to him, you go to God and you say, Remember that sin? He's going to say, what sin? It's gone. All he sees is the righteousness of Christ. And so if you've not made that commitment to Christ, today's a day of response. The light has shown in the world. Jesus came. God became man and lived in front of us so that we could see how good he is, how much he loves us, and how good his gift is to us. He took care of our lack of knowledge and understanding of who he was. Now, I know you've seen the light. Respond today. Respond by saying, Jesus, I want you in my life. I receive you. The Bible says to as many as receive him, he gives the power to to become children of God. Receive him today. Make that decision. The majority of us here today have made that commitment to Christ, and yet we still are flirting with, holding hands with, putting our arms around darkness. We're still buddying up with the enemy. We, we, we're listening to his lies. He's constantly in our brain, and the battle happens between our ears. Remember that. And if you've been letting that battle, uh, if you've been joining the wrong side of that battle and continuing to walk in sin and embracing sin and saying, oh, it's not that bad, it's not that bad, you need to find the truth and let the Holy Spirit reveal truth to you, which he already has, and quit walking in darkness. Quit compromising with the devil. The battle's already been won. God has won the battle. The victory is yours already. You have victory over sin. Just walk in it. But make your decision today. Whatever sin you've been flirting with, holding on to, it's ruining your life. And it can be, look, it doesn't have to be uh, adultery in order to be something that we're talking about today. It could be your control of your own life, constantly having to be in control. It could be you trying to please everybody. It, it, it could be any number of little things that seem small to you, and you flirting with the devil and holding hands and say, this is not that bad. There's people that call themselves Christians that are doing way worse things than what I'm doing. That's holding on to the enemy's hand. That's, that's what happens between your ears when Satan whispers in your ear. Just, just make their sin not bad enough to them that they hold on to it. And you're, you're robbing yourself of light. You're robbing yourself of some great truth that God wants to reveal to you about who he is. And I, for one... I made a commitment this week again 
to respond to the light by walking in the light. For two reasons. Number one, because God has never let me down. Every time that I've adjusted my life to the light, my life has gotten better. Every time. There's never been a time that that hasn't happened. And number two, we need to be a community that blesses. We need to be a community of believers that are walking in the light so that people can see the light of Christ, the truth about who he is in our lifestyles. So are you doing that? And if not, church, let's respond this year by, say, by, by saying to Jesus, we found you to be someone worth living with and living for. We trust you. There's nothing we've discovered about you that's, that's not causing us to be more attracted to you. We spent a year looking at you, and you're more attractive than we ever thought you were. And we're going to respond by walking with you through life rather than turning away from you. It's, it's crazy. It's, it, we, we're not thinking when we turn away from what God has for us. So let's think. Let's use our brains today and our hearts and respond to God by committing whatever area it is that God brings to your heart today to him. Whatever area of darkness where you're holding hands with the enemy. Let's release that today. Let's walk in the light, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for manifesting yourself through your son in the world. Thank you that we have the stories of who Jesus is. Thank you more than that, Lord, that we have your spirit revealing to us truth. That your spirit has revealed the wisdom of God to us, the beauty of God. Lord, help us to respond to that in the way that your Spirit is convicting us today. Whatever it is your Spirit is saying to each person, Lord, our response is our own. It's individual. God, it makes all the difference in who this church is going to be this year. And I pray for pure heart responses today. Uh, that we would walk out of our own goodness walk out of our own badness and trust you with our lives. Lord, you have given us a pure light, a pure picture of who you are in Jesus. Let our response be true today. Father, change our lives. Take us. Show us more of yourself as we respond to you today in obedience. In Jesus' name.